0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Well, we don't often get to record a whole lot of breaking news podcasts or emergency podcasts as Sam kind of deemed this coming in, but we do have a breaking news slash emergency podcast issue to get to today today. And that is that Sam just told me he's never seen the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> so we're going to have a 30 minute dissection. So we're going to break this down yeah. and figure out what is going on here.
0: And yeah, excuse I haven't me. seen that. I haven't seen Step Brothers. And I haven't seen I Love You Man. Unbelievable. Which I, I don't know what I was doing. I, I don't think either. I was just lost in And trying to save money, maybe? That's not true. The late aughts
1: were a thing. weird time for you. As, yeah, as well, that's true. To that's true
0: for many reasons that we need a much longer podcast. <laughs>
1: Um, So, hey, with that, welcome in to the latest edition of the Show Before the Show podcast, Um, a different format podcast today. Not a regular um, episode, holiday week, but obviously some huge news uh, in the world of Major League and Minor League Baseball yesterday that we need to get to and have a full discussion on. Um, Two stories, really. One, uh, we won't really spend a whole lot of time on, but Shohei Otani, it looks as if he is coming over to Major League Baseball this offseason after Major League Baseball, the Players Association, and Nippon Professional Baseball agreed on Tuesday to a new posting system to govern those player transfers from Japan to North America. That's according to a confirmation MLB.com, John. Paul Marosi had that story yesterday. Joel Sherman of the New York Post had some of the details on that story yesterday. We'll set that aside for right now. The big story from yesterday and i will quote from our very own sam dykstra atlanta will lose its number 5 prospect kevin miton along with number 30 prospect abron gutierrez and 11 others following a major league baseball investigation into the organization's recent international signing practices commissioner rob manford announced tuesday the Braves also will forfeit their 2018 third round draft pick and have restrictions on their spending during the 2019 2020 and 2020 2021 international signing periods um this is a massive punishment that was levied against the Atlanta Braves yesterday. If you don't know the entire story, there are a wealth of stories out there right now um, that are listing basically what happened, what these infractions were, and how this all came about. But for the last couple of months, Major League Baseball has been investigating the Atlanta Braves organization. This all sort of started to come out in October. Um, John Capolello, the Braves general manager, resigned very unexpectedly, just kind of picked up and left the organization when it became known That the Braves were under investigation for things they were doing on the international market, especially in the Dominican Republic. Uh, And that's when you really started kind of figuring out, oh, this is not going to be good for the Braves. Um, And then this punishment coming down yesterday, John Capololo, the former Braves general manager, was placed on the permanently ineligible list. He is banned from baseball for life. At 38 years old, Gordon Blakely, who was the former special assistant in that department, he's been suspended for one year. Um, there was a contract voided with Jiwon Bae, who was an infield prospect from South Korea. Uh, there is a lot to unpack here. Um, Sam, what's just kind of your initial reaction to this?
0: Uh, it, it's just, it's an international scandal that we haven't seen before. Um, you know, there was an issue a couple of years ago with the Red Sox. They lost five prospects because... Of what was they couldn't sign above three hundred thousand dollars any individual player. Turned out they were signing guys to three hundred thousand dollars, and then it was being shared in a pool and spread out amongst players, all that kind of stuff. So they lost five players. This was thirteen. This is like a hammer we've never seen. I mean, you mentioned Capuana. He's now on the banned list from baseball. It can never work in baseball again unless he has a special hearing or something like that. There are only four people on the banned list. Four right living now. people. For living people, yes, thank you. Shoeless Joe Jackson aside. Uh, Pete Rose, we all know what he did. Chris Correa, who was involved in the Astros-Cardinals hacking scandal. And Henry Mejia, who has been banned after several uh, PED violations. And now we add John Campolella to this this list, which is, I think, going to have some ripple effects, him being banned, because never mind losing 12 or 13 players if you include Bay in that list. Um... You know, being outright gone from baseball is going to make general managers think twice of, you know, can we get away with this? Because one thing that everybody said about this is this has been happening. I mean, the international market, as much as it's restricted and as much as there are now hard caps on it and, uh, you know, it's it's constantly evolving, it's still a little bit of the Wild West in terms of uh, organizations trying to get away with things, how they can skirt the rules, all that kind of stuff. The Braves were just the ones who got caught and they were, you know, by all reports, um, you know, weren't as good at hiding, uh, you know, what they were doing and what were they were trying to get away with and all that kind of stuff. Um, So now seeing a general manager get banned for that stuff, I think is going to have a bigger effect than just saying losing 12 players as good as Kevin Maiton is, is, and we'll get into that later. Uh, And as good as this group of players is, I mean, there are several that got seven, you know, figure bonuses. These are not just schmoes that they lost. And and we know the Brave system was already pretty deep, arguably the deepest in baseball. It certainly takes a hit now. Um, I I think Jim Callis said, you know, they were his top system in baseball. Now they're number two, Uh, not just because of losing my but because of losing those 12 players. Um, There's a lot we'll have to get into, but just... The idea that this is going to shake up the international market in ways that we haven't seen before, in terms of what teams think they can get away with, and also what repercussions is it going to have going forward. It, if you know this is what happens when you break the rules, are we going to see an international draft later? Which there are fewer breakable rules. Really, it's you know you line up all the players, everybody takes one. That's the way it goes. Um, or you know what what happens from here is still yet to be seen. You know, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. News broke on this Tuesday afternoon. Uh, It's not like everybody's run out and signed everybody yet. They still have two weeks to do that uh, before they're even allowed to sign any of these players. Um, So it'll be a while until we see how this all fully forms out. But first off, this is just a, a scandal we have not seen on the international market ever before.
1: Yeah, the, the Red Sox thing, it seemed like was kind of the warning shot across the bow for these organizations. And I do think that there is obviously a lot of credence to the idea that, oh, this goes on everywhere. This is the worst kept secret in baseball. There have been stories of this ilk for some time, um, but I did see... A lot of people on Braves Twitter yesterday saying, This is ridiculous. Everybody does this. And the Braves are the ones who get punished for everybody else's transgressions. Their Major League Baseball is making an example of them, blah, blah, blah. I don't think other organizations do things this severely. And maybe that's naivete on my part, but I think the Braves were so brazen in this regard. Um, that brazen that's is the perfect word. What really, yeah, brought this to the level to which it reached. Um, John Coppola. Apparently not a very liked guy in baseball either, Um, really rubbed people the wrong way, how he ascended uh, through the ranks, got a start in the Yankees player development system, uh, and just kind of climbed and climbed and climbed and didn't hesitate to step over anybody on the way up. Um, John Capolella also, if you're a baseball Twitter person, you may recall last December in a uh, an edition of hashtag AskCopy that the Braves did on Twitter, somebody asked John Coppola, you know, what's the best way to get into baseball? And he said, internships, um, don't count on getting paid anything, don't count on anything other than being part of a team, uh, and don't expect anything for yourself. To which everybody else kind of said, like, ah, really, dude? Like, that's the, that's the advice you're going to give kids to try to get into baseball? Um, so, I don't know, it... Uh, there was definitely a there was an aroma coming off of the Braves organization that stunk for some time, let's say. And I think that the, the way in which they handled this, they were just so, so outlandishly bold in some of these practices um, that that's why this hammer came down so hard for Major League Baseball. And I do think that it sets a a precedent that makes other organizations think. Because I saw another conversation yesterday. um, Somebody tweeted, you know, going into this winter, it wouldn't have been surprising if Shohei Otani or his representatives in Japan had an agreement somewhat in place with some major league organization and were just waiting for the posting rules to be finalized and then that would probably just push everything on its way. Now, not really so sure, especially if... Inside of baseball, people had an idea that something like this was coming for the Braves. This does make you think a lot. If you're a front office member and it's crossed your mind, oh, maybe we should try to do X, Y, and Z on the international market to bring players in, whether it's packaging, signing bonuses, giving less money to to a higher-touted prospect, more money to a lower-touted prospect, and then funneling that money through to the more talented guy. Um, whether it's offering a car to a drafted player uh, from the third round, as the Braves did last year, apparently off the books. Um, the contract with jiwan Bae, which seems now even more so in retrospect... Weirder and weirder. Ji-hwan Bae played for Korea at the U18 Baseball World Cup in September. The day before the Korea Baseball Organization draft, Korea's Major League, was supposed to start base signs with the Braves, um, which teams generally don't sign Japanese or Korean or Taiwanese. Taiwanese maybe to a lesser extent, but generally they don't sign those players as amateurs. Um, Those guys go through their own professional ranks and then come over later on if they come over at all. So that deal seemed a little suspect, Um, but just so much. The thing that I think is the most underrated element of this, um, and maybe not inside of baseball, but I think if you're just a more casual fan, you look at it and you think, oh, man, the Braves lost all these prospects. They lost this kid, Kevin Miton. He's supposed to be so good. Yeah, that's obviously something, but... The signing restrictions over the next couple of years are going to be massive, and they don't affect the Braves for 2018-2019 uh, as much as for the years beyond. Um, but 2019-2020, the Braves will not be able to sign any player for over $10,000, and that is nothing. $10,000, you know, to you and me, to normal human being, sounds like a lot of money, but for what you're generally paying to sign international free agents, uh, amateurs on the the international market. Um, That's not a lot of money. You're not going to be hauling in much talent in 2019, 2020. And then the following year, their pool will be reduced by 50%. So this is really... This is, you know, what it reminds me of is is NCAA sanctions, um, where it's a a penalty that's going to stick with a program for a period of time. It's not just you're docked these players or you're fined a certain amount of money or whatever. It's you know, in college, it's there's no bowl eligibility. You get these restrictions on your scholarships. You're not allowed to play in the NCAA tournament. Whatever it is, that's kind of what this reminds me more of. The Braves also forfeit a 2018 third round draft pick. Um, but the thing that is so Um, I think also another warning shot, um, toward organizations is the Braves invested tens of millions of dollars in these players and they lose all that money too. They spent more money on these players in the international market than they've ever spent on any draft class and they lose all that money and all those players. So this, there's a lot a lot but those players get to keep that money the you players keep the money the organization doesn't keep the money keep right it, yeah right so if you're kevin Maiton, you got a gigantic bonus from the braves and now you can sign yet another one from another organization i know his stock has fallen a little bit as a prospect people said there were scouts who said that he came into the appy league out of shape last year played with danville for 33 games was in the gcl for nine games he's 17 years old kevin Maiton is still going to get a hefty check from somebody
0: yeah, and, and we should get into quickly what what this means to the players. I think we've talked a little bit about what happens to the Braves, but what happens to these players now? Um, so, in Rob Manfred's statement yesterday, in announcing the the penalties officially, you know, he said these are all free agents now. They're free to sign with the twenty nine other teams, um, but it, it's not that easy. It's not they're not full fledged free agents. We're not going to put Kevin Maiton you know, next to Eric Hosmer, and see who's going to make more money this off season. They're still under those international bonus pool uh, restrictions uh, for the 2017-2018 signing period. So a lot of these teams have already gone through. You know, the, the, their July second signings. They have made their big signings. There isn't necessarily a lot of room left, um, but there are some teams that do have some money left, and they most of them have kind of saved money for Otani. You know, knowing that he could be posted because he's going to be under the 2017-2018 international signing pools too. So according to MLB Pipelines, Jonathan Mayo, here are some of the teams uh, that have a good chunk of money left for 2017-2018. Uh, Texas Rangers are at a little bit above three and a half million dollars. New York Yankees at a little bit or are at three and a half million. Uh Minnesota Twins at 3.245, Pittsburgh Pirates at 2.2, and uh, San Francisco Giants at 1.8 though the Giants have some restrictions, they can't sign any individual player above $300,000. So they could spread that out, 1.8 out. They could take, you know, maybe six of the, the Braves cut players and, and spread that out, the $300,000 each amongst them. Um, but that's going to get a little tricky. So there aren't that many clubs that are going to be able to give Myton, you know, his big bonus that he got from the Braves, be able to match that right now. However, that being said, not only are you able to use your money from 2017, 2018? You could instead, not also, you can't mix the two, but you could use instead dip into your 2018, 2019 international pool. Um, so you could decide, listen, we have no money left for 2017, 2018, but Major League Baseball is allowing teams that are looking forward, projecting forward. Here's money they have not spent yet. They could take their 2018, 19 money and put it towards Maiton, put it towards Gutierrez, what have you. Uh, and anything above two hundred thousand dollars is what counts. So they get like a two hundred thousand dollar credit essentially. Um, so if they sign Myton for three million, only two point eight comes out of that pool. Um, so this is kind of how Major League Baseball is kind of making rules up on the fly a little bit in terms of how they're dealing with these penalties, how they're trying to make it easier for clubs to sign, how they're trying to make it so the players can get the money that they you know certainly deserve uh, in this case. But again, the international pools now are hard caps. Teams are not. This isn't like Johan Moncada years ago, who signed for 31.5 million dollars and then was taxed. You know, the Red Sox were taxed above that, so he ended up being a 63 million dollar cost to the Red Sox. That can't happen anymore. There's no more tax. There is a hard limit on what you can spend, and a lot of that is going towards suppressing uh, international signees. You know, they there's a lot of risk involved teams don't want to spend 31 million dollars on a player they're not entirely sure it's going to work out um but yet that's what the market was doing so they put these hard caps on uh you know if we move to an international draft that's only going to do that further um that's certainly going to suppress signing bonuses even more um and you know we can keep going on and on about that but uh yeah so th- they may be entering the market now they may be free agents that may sound awesome but you know, for somebody like Maiton who's going to be looking for a bigger deal, a bigger signing bonus, uh, you know, he's not going to be able to pr- probably match the $4.25 million he already got. Uh, but the good news for him is that he's going to be able to keep that 4.25, and that's just going to add on top of that.
1: So this is um, certainly a, a decision for Major League Baseball that will have wide-ranging impacts beyond just what it does to the Braves. Um, and I think furthermore, it Really shows that Rob Manfred, when the the Red Sox penalties came down, there was a theme that came out of Park Avenue that was the Major League Baseball offices in Park Avenue that was this is going to change. This is not going to be something that we're going to continue passing the buck on. Um, this seems to be, if not the the biggest, maybe the first. Uh, of decisions like this, if anything like this goes on continually going forward, um, that Major League Baseball is going to start really putting its foot down on these issues. Uh, I think it also helps to keep in mind that there's a lot that goes on in the international market that Major League Baseball is unable to control. Um, The way some of these players are manipulated by trainers and agents in these Buscones and the Latin American markets, the guys who train them, take a percentage of the money that they sign for, that type of stuff. But Major League Baseball carries a lot of leeway in how those dealings go down um, in those markets on their own between players and staff members or trainers or whoever who are at least somewhat in good standing with Major League Baseball. But more than anything, they have the ability to control how teams engage with players and with administrators and with agents and with trainers in the Latin American markets. And that's the biggest thing here is it's no longer this well, seemingly, the message is that it's no longer going to be this Wild West of do whatever you can do to sign these players out of Latin America. Um, you know, the Braves had another situation in which they had agreed to a contract with, I believe at the time, a prospect who was 13. And were pretty much just waiting to bring him along until he was signable at age 16. That has been invalidated. He will no longer be able to be signed by the Braves. Um, so it's almost as if they were kind of running this... I saw somebody deem it this way on Twitter. They were almost kind of running a shadow farm off the books and waiting to bring players into the organization. I mean, in a form that's exploitation of child labor, really. I mean, yeah. the way that this had gone down, and it's all it—it it makes you feel very dirty when you get down to some of this nitty gritty. And so, I give the commissioner's office a lot of credit for not making this another thing where it's okay this international director was let go these scouts were put on whatever i mean this is something that makes every other organization go all right it's not worth that
0: yeah no but i I would love to see you know someday the international market just become free agency you know just outright free agency and i think that would solve a lot of problems because you got teams trying to do calculus of who can fit in and they're all trying to one-up each other and trying to get you know, as many players as they can, but fit them under these restrictions. You just make a free agency. It's a – everybody's going, you know, going full out for players. There's a recruiting process probably. Um, uh, uh, Hopefully, you know, you keep those same restrictions. It shouldn't start when you're 13. I mean, come on now. What person is making professional decisions for themselves at age 13 is amazing. And and trying to project anything three years ahead of time when you're 13 – that a player is going to be good. I mean, they may have tools, but we, we see now how much can change between a players when they're 16 and when they're 19. Just imagine when they're 13 to 16. But anyway, um, yeah, just making it outright free agency. You know, Players get what they're worth, they get what the market decides. Uh, teams don't have to worry about trying to do all this math work and all that kind of stuff. They only have to operate within their own budget. I know you're thinking Well, what happens, you know, then the Yankees are just going to sign every player. The Dodgers are going to sign every player. I don't think it would work out that way. I mean, a lot of these teams have a lot of money. You know, the Pirates used to be the biggest spenders in the draft because they realized, you know, we're not going to be able to sign these big, big free agents. But if we give guys lots of money in the draft, we'll get them real young. The cost won't be as high. You know, maybe an $8 million bonus, but that's better than paying them $200 million at the back end. And we'll get them during their prime years. I think that, you know, teams like maybe the Royals or or, um, certainly not the Orioles. The Orioles don't spend any international money, which is a discussion for a different day. But some of these smaller market clubs, you know, could find ways to operate in that system and it would work out fine for everybody. It wouldn't necessarily just being the Yankees and Dodgers having the best international farm systems all over again. Uh, I, I think that's a discussion that needs to come up during the next CBA um, this is certainly an eye-opening experience, and I, I I think there will be changes because of this. Not just uh, you know individual repercussions of teams questioning how they handle things, but actually written rule changes. And I'll be really interested to see how that's going to work out in a couple of years.
1: Yeah, this is all going to be pretty fascinating. There is a showcase um, tentatively scheduled for about the end of the month for these 12 players. Um, the way that it's going to work for these former Braves prospects is from December 5th to January 15th, they will be able to be signed by any other organization. If they do not sign in that period, and they want to re-sign with the Braves for whatever reason, they can do so, but they can't do that until May 1st. So that's the first time the Braves would have the ability to re-sign any of these players. I would be pretty stunned uh, to do if, if that happened with any of these players. Um, but yeah, right now it's kind of a sweepstakes. These other guys, there are other talented players, but Maitan is really the, he's the one of this group.
0: Yeah, and, and he's obviously become kind of a, polarizing figure i would say um just because you know you mentioned he is 17 he was like the top international prospect of the year or you know during the 2016 2017 signing period until louis robert came on the scene signed with the white Sox. but that was you know he wasn't july 2nd eligible he defected from cuba came through that route uh my time when he was coming up you know, when he was going on the market, people were making, like, Miguel Cabrera comps on yeah. Him offensively. Yeah,
1: and Miguel Sano. I mean, yeah, all kinds of they, high praise.
0: Right. And, you know, if every, anybody remembers Miguel Sano's uh, – or w- what was the movie called? Pelotero?
1: Yeah, Ballplayer Pelotero.
0: Yeah. Um, that documented, you know, how big a talent Sano was and how the race to get him signed, what that was like. My Tom was kind of in, in that class. You know, he's a switch hitter. He's a shortstop. Uh, he has a chance to be a pretty good shortstop. He's got a really strong arm. He hits incredibly well from either side of the plate for his age. Uh, and the Braves knew that, and they, they obviously wanted to sign him. They gave him, you know, a $4.25 million bonus. Um, but the, uh, you know, he's only 17, but they decided to push him because of his talent. So as Tyler mentioned earlier in the show, they pushed him to rookie level Danville and he, he did not necessarily do well there. Uh, hitting only two twenty with a two seventy three OBP and a three twenty three slugging percentage uh, and a five ninety six OPS in thirty three games. Some of the scouting reports on him weren't great. Thing is people like to think of player development as being linear. You know, you start you the reports are really good and you're only gonna go up from there because you're gonna develop, you're gonna get even better, all that kind of stuff. You know, he was the only regular player in the Appalachian League Appalachian League this year, either as a pitcher or a position player, who was born in the year two thousand. And if that doesn't cause a pang in your stomach, I don't know what will. But, uh, you know, he was the youngest player in that league. We can't assume that he's just going to take off, you know, in in the first season being stateside, uh, being around a language that you're not used to, a culture you're not used to. There's all those sorts of adjustments. Um, So, you know, that was his base level. He could certainly grow from there. He could get more comfortable, uh, you know, trying to learn English, trying to be around the coaches, trying to learn the Braves way, all that kind of stuff. Now this is going to be another wrinkle, but that doesn't necessarily mean uh, he's going to struggle again. Um, so, you know, just because people are down on him, do not think that he is going to get a small bonus. Uh, I'm really fascinated to see how teams are going to look at him. I, I, you mentioned that showcase. I think he's also going to be playing winter ball in Panama, which is another chance for him to kind of show off.
1: Uh, was scheduled to. Now, according to a report I saw yesterday, he will not be.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Well, there you go. Um Live fact checking. Uh, yeah. So, anyway. So, but still, you know, he'll have a chance to show that that was just a one-off this summer in, in some of these showcases. Uh, I know a lot of scouts were at Braves instructs this year, um, kind of thinking that this might happen. Uh, so, you know, Myton's still the the crown jewel. Any system would love to have him. Uh, you're not going to say no to this guy unless it's because you have your signing restrictions. Um, you know, you. A lot of these guys would love to get him in the system and get the chance to fix him, find out what was going wrong last year at Danville and, and put him back on a trajectory towards being one of the top shortstop prospects in the game. You know, Does he end up st- sticking at shortstop? Tyler mentioned um, some of the, the body issues he was having last year. He's six foot two anyways. He's listed at 190 pounds. I think he's a little bit over that. <clears throat> so he's probably a little too big to stick at shortstop. Uh, he, and he doesn't have necessarily the range he has the arm so maybe he moves to third base eventually um, really sticks to that Miguel Cabrera uh, you know comp really well uh, but we'll see how kind of things shake out but you know any team's going to want to sign him uh, it's going to be a kind of a race to see that And I, I'm going to be really interested if if a team can go for the swoop you know I mentioned that they can either use 2017-2018 money or 2018-2019 money uh, to go after Maitan. I'll, I'm interested to see if a team's going to use 2017-2018 money on a Otani and 2018-2019 money on Maitan. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of clubs that have that potential. That would be an amazing boost to any system. Uh, I think the Yankees in particular have that opportunity they would obviously love to do that already one of the best systems in the game that would certainly put them in, right back into the conversation of the top three, if not the top one or two um, and that'll that'll be fascinating to see where he goes and how he fits going forward.
1: All kinds of news. Yesterday was a uh, a very busy, um, randomly very busy Tuesday in late November, but uh, yeah, in addition to that news, um, Shohei Otani, it appears that the path has been cleared for him to come over from the Nippon Ham Fighters and Nippon Professional Baseball to Major League Baseball this offseason um, with the new agreement between Major League Baseball, the MLB Players Association, and the NPB. Um, Once... The owners ratify this new deal with Nippon Professional Baseball on December 1st, um, which is pretty much just a a rubber stamp. Um, Otani will have a 21-day window to sign with a team in Major League Baseball, um, and then... You know, once it's ratified, then it's kind of all bets are off as to how teams are going to jockey for position uh, to sign Otani. 23 years old, uh, a dude who rakes at the plate, also throws 100 miles an hour off the mound. He's a fascinating talent, a guy who's going to be really fun to watch. It'll be really interesting to see where he ends up landing um, this season. And uh, yeah, not the not your garden variety Tuesday in November. The reason that we talk about him is when he comes across. Technically, he's going to be a prospect. Um, I don't expect to see Shohei Otani listed you know, in anybody's minor league system breaking camp in March. Um, but another, uh, another interesting little facet to yesterday, the, the busiest November 21st in recent memory in baseball.
0: Yeah, and no, I'll actually just throw this out there too, which I think might be very, very interesting. Since he's technically going to sign as an international amateur, we could get in that whole discussion about service time with him. This could oh, be
1: that's that's a good point.
0: This could very well be a Chris Bryant situation come spring. Oh, that's it. Somebody says, you know, we want him to to work on some things in AAA, get used to, you know, what minor league baseball is about, what how the way we do things here. He's going to need a couple weeks. And by doing that, they push they push arbitration, they push another year of free agency, all that kind of stuff. That'll be interesting. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen just because like at least with Bryant, he had not performed at a high level yet. You know, uh, Otani's coming from essentially what is Major League Baseball in Japan. Uh, he has seen the game at, at, at as high a level as it can get. There really isn't the need. You can't you can't hide behind something as as much as the Cubs did a couple of years ago with Bryant. Um, but yeah, that's I mean that's a wrinkle in the system. It, it could still happen. Uh, we'll have to see where he goes on that. Um, one quick point I want to I just want to circle back on the Braves because I don't know if we've kind of talked about this but just w- when we were talking before about how they have the international restrictions going forward they can only sign players for ten thousand dollars in a couple of years and then their uh, international signing bonus pool is cut in half that's going to do so much damage to the Braves system in terms of depth um, you know you might not think you know oh they what if they couldn't sign for three hundred thousand dollars They were going to get hurt anyways. doesn't matter. Yeah, but for a couple years, you know, they have DSL affiliates. They have GCL affiliates. The depth of those teams is built out by these cheap signings. And if you can't even sign a player for $100,000 who's just going to be a fourth or fifth outfielder, that means your starting center fielder was a $10,000 signing, something like that. I mean, and that that goes through waves. You know, if they can't sign... Guy, promising guys who are going to climb the ladder. Then you're signing minor league free agents to be your class A advanced starting center fielder in a couple. Of I mean, that just, that projects out. It is not going to end when these restrictions end. This is going to have ripple effects throughout the brave system for years to come. Uh, yeah. The, the system is still exciting right now. Obviously they're deep in arms. Uh, they're deep in young arms who are going to take a couple of years to get to the majors. It might be a while before we think this brave system is particularly bad, but once that happens, Uh, You know, they're going to have to really draft well. They're going to have to really uh, sign well with draftees. They're going to have to figure out how they can sign as many picks as they possibly can because trying to tap into the international market is just going to become so difficult. And it'll be interesting to see how that affects their rebuild. You know, I think 2018 is is a year they're really going to start trying to go for it, trying to win games, trying to win the division or a wild card spot. Um, But what happens in 2019, 2020, 2021? 2022, which is crazy enough to think about, but it's definitely going to affect those times going forward for the Braves. So, buckle in now if you're an Atlanta fan, and um, just hope that you know the new GM Alex Anthopoulos, who's coming from the Dodgers previously with the the Blue Jays, uh, knows what he was getting himself into and knows how he can help guide the ship from here on out.
1: Yeah, it certainly seemed like it was going to be a really long window of contention for the Braves that has been shortened um, by this. And, yeah, not just because you lose the 12 players, but because of those penalties that come behind it. Uh, not to say this is some sort of death sentence. This isn't, you know, SMU football. Um, but it is a uh, certainly a pretty significant punishment levy down the atlanta braves yesterday so not the greatest day to be uh, a fan of the braves or to be some poor schmo who works in braves player development like if you're just somebody some area scout somebody who had nothing to do with this and now all of a sudden it's like oh cool this is this is what we're all dealing with great thank you yeah. um so that's a that's a bummer and uh and obviously there are a lot of people who didn't have anything to do with this in the Braves system and uh you kind of think about them at a time like this because that is rough to have to be uh the people who carry the mantle forward now and you would think also there's going to be some stigma attached to the the brave signing practices in latin america if this word gets out in a big way among prospects um down there i mean obviously you know you're you're still going to want to find the best deal for yourself and for your family no matter what but I would think once something like this happens, other organizations are going to use that as, you sure you want to go in that system? You know, because it's sports. I mean, that's that's the way of the world. Everybody's trying to figure out an angle to get a better leg up on signing somebody than everybody else is. It doesn't do you a whole lot of favors if you're the Braves, especially knowing that starting next year, the money is severely limited. The access to players are going to be severely limited with it. Um, so this is going to be a, a very far reaching punishment for Major League Baseball. Uh, right. Well, the, there's
0: one thing that we should talk about, too, though, is just how Latin American players are signed. Right. A lot of it is driven by what's called the Right. Or tr- the trainers, it, which effectively act as agents for these. Again, these kids are making these decisions. They're getting recruited. You know, it's sometimes as early as 13 or 14, but usually when they're 15 or just turning 16. So they have these guys who are driving them through the process, but these are guys who are trying to take advantage of the system just as any team is. Um, and those guys may have found those players when the players
1: were seven, eight, nine years old, and they've been working with them for years to try yeah. to get them to a point where they will be signable eventually. And, and,
0: and trying to piggyback. Right. Them, and
1: there's a lot of gray area in what exactly is allowed, um, what should be allowed. Buscones are not certified by the Players Association in many contexts. They will take a player on, give him a place to live, train him, and in exchange for that, they'll get a portion of the signing bonus if a player gets signed to a contract. Um, There's a lot of kind of scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Some of it not very above board. Um, There is just so much that goes on in the international market that is not regulated that it's difficult. Major League Baseball has so many tentacles into that realm of the baseball world but doesn't necessarily have control over the things that go on um on that side of the game so it's there's a lot that goes on that's beyond the jurisdiction of major league baseball that's still kind of shady and weird
0: yeah and and we should point out that as part of the restrictions yesterday all these braves players who are now you know free agents uh are not allowed to work with the buscons that they initially did uh, they have to find new agents to kind of guide them through this next signing process. Um, yeah, and that's basically Major League Baseball acknowledging that it, it was a two-way street, not involving the players. Again, they're they're too young to necessarily know what they're doing. Um, they're getting offered all these big bonuses. You you sit, you know, you try saying no to seven digits uh, when they're that you're that young and trying to understand an international system and all that. Uh, that is the job of the agents, the trainers, whatever. Uh, and it's the, the, job of the, you know, the organizations operating under that system. Uh, so they are the ones getting the penalties, the players, you know, they just have to find new homes and we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But, um, yeah, that, that could also be a reckoning at some point, trying to figure out how that whole trainer system works and trying to get them under the MLB umbrella or what, what have you that, that, that's just another wrinkle in this whole thing.
1: All very fascinating stuff, and again, there are great stories up at MLB.com, MILB.com. Sam had our coverage yesterday, um, and all across the baseball world, there's a lot of different information, a lot of takes on what happened with the Braves yesterday. Um, and you can find some interesting stuff on uh, on Shohei Otani as well, who uh, missed a large portion of last season with an ankle injury, but is expected to be 100% for spring training in 2018, and uh, I guess that'll do it. Yeah. Uh, No, we definitely will not.
0: Special emergency edition.
1: Yeah. No, I'm sure there'll be a lot more fallout from this that we'll uh, we'll be covering as the the weeks in the off season go along.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. Um, Especially as the signings start to roll in, uh, what kind of effect they have on both the player and the organization, uh, whether it's a good fit, how that's going to affect team's ability to spend for the rest of the year or in 2018, 2019. Um, So much still to follow up, but yeah, a lot to dive in. just a couple hours after all this came down for sure
1: so we will put a uh, nice little holiday bow on this week's special edition of the show before the show podcast hey thanks wherever you are thanks for tuning in it's the week of thanksgiving and we are so thankful for you dear the show before the show listener um and you can get in touch with this podcast at milb.com on twitter sam is at sam dykes milb i am a tyler mon have a good thanksgiving buddy
0: yeah you too yeah. What, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dish. We have um, to do this I'm
1: a stuffing guy. Th- Thanksgiving dinner is Thanksgiving is my favorite day of the year every year. Um, but I'm a uh, I've always been a stuffing guy. The thing I like about Thanksgiving most is ordinarily I have to keep all of my food. In its own everybody's gotta stay in their own lane. Like I can't if I'm gonna have like a <laughs> side salad with like let's say uh you know a nice manigat or a nice uh, like a nice eggplant parm, something like that. I can't have the salad on the same plate as like the pasta with the sauce, whatever the salad's supposed to be cold, the pasta's supposed to be warm, I can't do any of that. I don't need the sauce flowing onto the set, sa- whatever. But with Thanksgiving Anything can flow across anything, and I love all of it. Like cranberry and the mashed potatoes with the gravy that's on the stuffing with the this and the that. I love it. All of it. Everything. So I'm a stuffing really guy. you're
0: your Thanksgiving day <laughs> habits. No,
1: Thanksgiving, everything goes by the All of my rules go by the wayside. I, I just
0: picture you holding, like, five plates being like, no, 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 this salad can't <laughs> touch the mashed potatoes. I more. just
1: have a bunch of little appetizer dishes, and I put everything on top of them individually. No, I don't. I don't. It's all one big. I would throw it, like, in one pile and just mix it around. Okay, That's fantastic
0: that way. What about you? Well, I'm a I'm a cranberry sauce.
1: Okay, fan. okay. Now, are um, you a cranberry sauce out of the can, man?
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay, okay. I, I am a I'm a can man. I'm from a fan through, as well. Um, which I always I've gone through cycles in that. Like that was all I knew growing up because it tasted amazing, and I didn't want to question anything else. And then people were just like, wouldn't you prefer it homemade? And I'm like, oh, I I see where you're coming from. Like, that's an interesting thought. And then I would have homemade. I'm like, it's not as good. Yeah, no, I agree.
1: And that it's one of the very rare concoctions in which that's the case we're just like the generic canned version is so much better than like a homemade from scratch version but i would completely agree with that also the uh brilliant comedian george wallace tweeted yesterday quote are we all just going to sit here calling it cranberry sauce when it's shaped like a can you can't slice a sauce <laughs> which is a
0: very good point it is That is a fine point it, which to... makes you think like is cranberry sauce a condiment
1: <laughs> is it a sandwich
0: is it a sandwich <laughs> i mean you could it it is by thursday night for some of us throw some turkey some cranberry true. sauce and gravy on top of that put it between two slices of bread that is a sandwich that is, and true. A very one.
1: That is true i have to uh wake up friday morning and fly to florida for a, a basketball tournament i'm gonna see if my aunt can just pack me like an entire suitcase full of leftovers and i'll just oh, i'll man. bring
0: it with me on the flight that, that that'll, that'll be very good, good. tip be good
1: so wherever you're tuned in we thank you for tuning into the show before the show podcast he's sam baxter i'm tyler Ron happy thanksgiving we'll talk to you next week
0: happy thanksgiving